Hey, it's Heidi Dawson, and this is Wednesday Wisdom, where I interview wildly successful people from across the world, where we get an inside view into what their daily life looks like. Success leaves clues, and on Wednesdays, we're finding them. Join me now for the latest wildly successful interview. Hi guys, welcome to the 89th episode of the Wildly Successful Lifestyle Podcast. Today's Wednesday Wisdom, we are just so lucky to be chatting with Christy Woodson Harvey. Now Christy is an award-winning writer and USA Today's best-selling author for, for her books that have so much Southern charm and what seems to be a cult following for her Peachtree Bluff series. Um, she's been called one of the hottest new Southern writers and her books have been described as Southern fiction at its finest. Now in her spare time, she gets to blog with her mom, Beth Woodson, on Design Chic, which is a super fabulous design blog about how creating a beautiful home can be the catalyst for creating a beautiful life. So you know, we're already basically best friends, right? <laughs> we do have that in common. I know that I can't wait to talk to her, so let's introduce Christy. Hi, Christy. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I love the fact that I was like, okay, we have to get all of this on because we were chatting before I started <laughs> this recording. And I was like, let's start recording because this is too much good information for us not to be talking about. I was just talk, talk, talking your ears off. Sorry. I just already, I was like looking at your beautiful house. And oh, thank you. Yeah, I got it all, you know, I got it all ready. You know, it's, it's, yeah. My husband and I were kind of like, all right. Um, I said, I'm kind of ball humbug this year. And he was like, no, you're not. No, I am. <laughs> not no, on my watch. Not. You better. Yeah, that's right. You better get going around this house. So anyway, it's, it's really a lot of fun. So thank yeah. you so much for being on. Now, aside from, from your beautifully done blog, which I have been on it, we're doing a renovation. So I've been on your, your blog, which is fabulous in itself. Um, you. And you do that with your mom, which is extra cool. I love that. Um, you also have several very successful books in your collection and they just keep coming and I'm sure you'll just keep going. <laughs> yes, yes. So I know you're super busy uh, and I love the, my first question is always, do you have a morning routine? Because I, we always learn from, from other people and especially people that have been successful. Do you have a morning routine that you'll share with us? Oh my gosh. So this is like, this is such a good question. And this is something that I am working on. I am such a work in progress on this. And um, my husband is really good about you know, he like reading every business book and productivity book. And so I'm always picking his brain, like, what do I do about the email? There are so many email, you know, things like that, that I'm always like, what do you think? Or so I'm always kind of refining this a little bit, but um, I, I will have to start off by saying I am not a morning person. Like I am not the 5am club. In okay. fact, I usually do my last round of writing at like 10 or 11 at night when everybody else is already in bed because I am a big time night owl, but I can't be because I have a son. So I get up at, you know, 645. So, okay. but I get up at 645, which is late. I mean, that's, you know, not early by any stretch of the imagination. And that's really just make the bed, get, I put on my workout clothes, make his breakfast, get him ready for school and take him to school. And then I come home and I work out very first thing, because if I don't do it first thing, I don't do it. And I feel so much better when I do. So I get my workout in shower, have my breakfast. And then I sit down um, and journal just kind of briefly. I go through 
the, the major projects that have to get done that day, like my non-negotiables, they're usually like, I try to keep it to three so I don't feel super overwhelmed. But then I also have the list, you know, the big list of the tending yeah. things that have to get done. Um, and I write a couple of pages freehand about what I'm going to be writing for my book that day, if that makes any sense. Okay. Um, and then I go straight into my first hour of a write for a solid hour with no notifications. Everything's off. It's just me. It's like my first productive hour of the day. I don't talk to anyone. I don't check my email. I don't do anything. Um, and then after that first hour, usually when I can be in that like really productive space for an hour, I can get my whole 2000 words for that day written. And okay. then you have a goal of 2000 words a day. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. Cause I'm on a book a year schedule. So, um, Oh wow. Seventh book comes out April, 2021. And so the way that my schedule is, um, just to keep myself on schedule, I spend like three months writing a rough draft and then I turn it in for editing. And then it takes about a, it takes about a year from the time I turn it in to the time it comes out. So just, I'm sort of on that schedule now where I try to get in those 2000 words wow. a day. Um, That's yeah. awesome. Great. And then I face the firing squad. Like mm. I have a list, like your husband, the pilot has the checklist and you have the podcast checklist. I have the checklist. Of, okay. Okay. That's always helpful. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it is like email, Facebook messages, Instagram messages. And then there are a couple groups that I'm a part of on Facebook. That, like I have to remind myself, like go in and check in on that. Um, I spent about an hour doing that. And that's my first okay. sort of email. I'm trying so hard. I'm so bad. I've been so bad during COVID just because everything's so crazy and all over the place. But I try to just not check my email constantly all day long because when yeah. I do, that's all I do the whole day. I don't get anything else done. <laughs> I know it can be very, very cumbersome. I know a lot of people that I've interviewed say they don't even check their email. Like some of them don't check their email in the morning, like at all. They don't, they wait till like noon. And that for me, I would be, I don't know, that might give me a little bit of anxiety. It does. No, it gives me a little bit of anxiety. I try to wait until 11. I mean, when I've done yeah. that other stuff, it's usually about 11 o'clock and it, it does. And by the time I get to it at 11, it's full. You know, it's bad. Well, and you know, texts and people to call right. back. There's usually a lot. And I'm not, I'm not like perfect at it. And I've, like no. I said, I've been kind of bad the last few months, but that is my like when I have my little ideal day scheduled out, that's what it looks that's like. That's how you do it. It sounds like you really do set your intention for the day, which I really love. Like I had a, a coach, a business coach, and she had me doing this chunking where you say, okay, I'm going to do two hours. Like at 9 a.m. I'll be doing this. At 11 a.m. I'm going to be doing this. And no matter what, I if I don't get finished with my task from 9 a.m., I stop it and I start the next task at, at 11 a.m. I know. I love that. Yeah, it was really actually, and I, when I was doing it, um, and my husband who is, he's kind of a coach himself, but he's like, you know, when you were doing all of the chunking of your time, he just told me this last week because I said, I just don't feel like I'm getting everything done that I used to get done. And he goes, when you were chunking your time, you were getting a lot more done. You need to go back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. I think it's like a constant struggle when we're doing lots of different things, like how am I most productive and what does that look like? And so I'm always redefining that. And I think I am much more productive that way when I have the big things and then the little things that I... Right. Do you like the process of checking it off when you're done? Oh, yes. I know that is, I, I, it's just like one of my favorite things to do is just check it off. 
pure then, satisfaction. Yes, it is pure satisfaction. So I, my coach that I was talking about, she is an, also an interior designer um, from Little Rock, Arkansas. Do you know Toby Fairley? Yes, of course. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that's who I'm talking about. And she's the one that told me about chunking. And then we also, uh, basically, she was like, you have got to come up to date on your electronic um, day planner. You know, so for three months, I tried to work electric, like uh, totally on my, I know. And so I told her, I was like, you're going to be disappointed. But I went back to my day planner because I like to check things off. And she, she was just like, ah. Well, I don't think you gave it enough time, but she was great. And, you know, it was very helpful in some ways, but I love my day planner. Me too. I am a pencil and paper kind of okay. person. I love the chunking. I've started doing, this has been a game changer for me too. Just like a little tip for anybody. But um, mom and I do the blog seven days a week. So. Oh, okay. Seven days a week. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it's, you know, so I used to, <laughs> we laugh. We're like, yeah, we do it every day. I mean, it's terrible. Like, like I'm saying like Sunday night, I do Monday, Monday night, I do Tuesday. And so about three months ago, we were like, we've got to quit doing this. This is ridiculous. We need yeah. to be more ahead than this. But you know, for so long, you're just kind of on the treadmill and you're like trying to keep up. Yeah. And so we finally got ahead and I've been on Sundays, I sit down and I'll do at least two to three posts at a time. And then I'll sit down like one day early in the week and do the rest of the week. And that is so great because you know, it's like that batch work. Like I'm already in yeah. that mindset of writing about design and, you know, things that I'll put on like announcements or something, they're probably relevant for the entire week. So instead of having to go back and find them again and get the graphic and I'm doing it all at one time. And that has been tremendously helpful. Like so much so that I'm like, what are the other things that I could be doing like that, that I'm not right. Cause you're ahead of time and it takes that stress off. I know with the podcast, it's the same way. Like you know, if, if things, you know, come, if somebody cancels or if things, I don't like having to just freak out and just be like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You know? And so I, working ahead is, is so, so much fun and it's so much easier. Your body and my brain wants it, wants me to have like four podcasts ahead of time, but <laughs> and so it doesn't happen all the time. I'm just being honest. <laughs> No, so, well, it's hard to get ahead when you're doing, you know, all of your normal things and then you're adding a new project on to get right. ahead. Right, it is, it is. Okay, so your, um, now, your your blog, let's talk about that just real quick because I know I want to talk about a little bit more about your books and some some of the mindset things, but your blog is so good. Like, it's so beautifully done. How many people do you guys, I mean, you have a lot of people that follow you on your blog. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. So, um, over the platform, and I say it's crazy just because we thought we were going to do this for like six months and we never expected anyone to read it ever. Um, I think across our platforms, we're almost at 500,000 followers, which is, right. I thought I read that that was, that was blows my mind. It's like yeah. 484 or something, you know, but, but we're getting wow. there. Um, it's just congratulations really on that. That's the, that's super exciting. It's, 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 I don't even know what to say. And, you know, you talk about every now and then we'll do like a consulting call or something. And people are like, how do y'all have all these followers? You do not even know what you're doing. And we're like, we know, we don't know. <laughs> I think that's why it's refreshing. People are like, it's so fun and real. And, and it's so like, I look at your pictures that the, they're so classic and timeless. You know, it's not a lot of times you look at blogs and they're kind of um, trendy and, and, you know, yeah. and, I feel like your style is very Southern in a way, but still very classic. And it can, it just spans across the entire 
United States would love that style. So well, thank you. Well, and we got pretty, we got, you know, some good lucky breaks too. Um, we got on Pinterest right when Pinterest was starting. Yeah, and if you've ever been an early adapter of something, you know, that, um, it, yes. it just grew like crazy. I mean, we were, had been on it, you know, maybe a couple of months and yeah, I mean, it was just, it grew so quickly because there weren't a ton of people there. And so we were getting shown in the big feed all the time and right. um, things like that, that we didn't, we weren't orchestrating that. It just was happening. So that was really great. And then the other stuff, I mean, we've been doing it for 10 years, you know? So, I mean, if you, how long did it take you to get, how long did it take you to get like to a certain point? Oh my gosh. Like a long time. So I remember us saying, this was truly, it was like a random project. Mom wanted to like learn how to do something new. Okay. <laughs> so I love I it. Like, I love your mom already. (laughs) Yeah. And I was doing, I wasn't writing books yet, but I was doing some freelance writing and I was writing some people's blogs and I was like, we should do this. This is kind of fun. I think we would like it. And we were both redoing houses and we said, well, we'll just start this blog. We'll do it for like six months while our projects are going on and then we'll be finished with it. And I think around that six month mark, we had gotten our first um, thousand email subscribers. Okay. Which a thousand isn't that many, but at the same time, it felt like every person on the planet, you know? Um, And at that point, and and like you're talking to them and they're talking to you and we had met so many great design bloggers through it. And we felt like we were sort of a part of this community. And so we were like, okay, we'll we'll keep going. And I don't know why this is such an arbitrary number, but we had read somewhere or just decided somewhere that when we got, we were getting 30,000 page views, maybe not even a month. I don't even, I don't remember. This was years and years and years ago, but it was somewhere around there. We started getting, um, people asking us to do advertising and we never really reached out cause we didn't even really know that was a thing or how to do it. Right. Yeah. And so we started doing a little bit of that here and there. And then, um, just little things just sort of kept happening. And then Pinterest was huge for us at the time. Facebook was really, really huge for us. Facebook was a huge traffic driver to blogs, not so much anymore, but it was at that time. Um, so there were just little things along the way that we just sort of got lucky breaks on and we just kept going. And, um, now, I mean, I can't really imagine not doing it. It's, you know, yeah. well, I think people would miss it. Yeah. Well, we would miss it. And when you've, you know, built something for 10 years, you, you have so much of yourself invested in it that it's just kind of hard to think about doing anything different. But I will say I'm shocked because I expected, I don't know what you call it, but maybe the, the, the bubble of, you know, being able to have these blogs and, you know, have advertisers and do affiliate marketing. And I kind of thought that bubble would have burst by now. I was like, when we, we went into it being like, we can never count on this because we have no idea how long this is going to last. So to have something that's lasted for this long, I'm really surprised that, you know, it's still good and it still keeps going. Well, I think the premise of it is, is something that's so good because right now, I mean, people are redoing their homes. They're in home, right? For COVID. So it's crazy. Yeah. We had one of our best years ever this year. And we were like, Oh, this is, we were like, this is going to be so terrible. Like, Oh, this is awful. And everyone has just been redoing their homes because they're at home. It's nuts. It's nuts. Every single person, you know, like the all of the trades we went, we, um, a friend of mine and I went to high point market this last October. And, um, I think it was last where I don't even know what month it is. Time is irrelevant. Yeah, it is. It's all, (laughs) it is. But anyway, when we were there, they were like, it has been the best year 
hands down we've ever had. Like we made our, since July, like up until like July, they had made their more than they had the year before in that amount of time, just up until July. And I was just shocked. I just couldn't yeah. believe it. So. I know. It was nuts. I wouldn't have believed it either, except, you know, yeah. And like clients that we would be, because at first people freaked out and they wanted to right. pull their advertising. Oh, yeah. Which we totally understood. And it was great. Like, fine. We totally get that. But then all of a sudden, everybody wanted, it was like all at the same time, everyone realized that things were going well. And they were like, oh my gosh, we want to ramp everything back up. And we were like, ah. <laughs> You're like, okay, okay, great. All right. So I love that. Thank you for, for telling me about that. Because I know I've read a couple places that, um, you know, you guys had so many people on your blog. It was incredible. Um, Okay. So we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, our morning, your, your morning routine. And for me, when I'm writing my podcast, I cannot do distractions, like even music, low music. It, it, I don't know, there's something about my brain. I don't know if I can't like focus on two things at one time. Are there things that you've learned to do uh, or not to do when you're writing that make it more effective for you? I mean, in a perfect world, I'm in a quiet space by myself and there are no distractions, but, um, I wrote my first book in 2015 and my son was a brand new baby. So I, you know, learned how to kind of write in these tiny snippets of time where everything was sort of fractured and segmented. And I think it was the best training that I ever had because, you know, now my life is pretty manageable because he's in school, but that just happened. I mean, you know, for years and years and years, there was, you know, I had him all the time, which was wonderful and great, but, you know, I was trying to write and, and do that. And then, um, you know, he would be in like a little preschool two mornings a week or something like that. So I really, I think I had to just get used to the fact that it's not going to look that perfect. So figure it out. Um, and so now on the days that it looks perfect, I'm so happy, but the days it doesn't, I'm like, well, whatever, just roll with it. So, I mean, I also think I was always that kid that could like study with a lot of stuff going around and um, I, it's not my ideal, but I can definitely like get into that zone, okay. but I don't like put music on to help me concentrate. Like that is definitely yeah. not me. Even when I'm writing the blogs, like they aren't something that's really that taxing mentally, I guess, but I still don't want to have, if I don't need to have distraction, I don't. Okay. That was my, I was just curious about that. Uh, because some people I know have to do different things, you know, well, and some people, I know, I know I have friends that are like, Oh, this is my playlist for this book I'm writing. And I listen to it the whole time. And I'm like, I would be like jamming out. Like I, yeah, there's no, I couldn't, I would absolutely lose my train of thought. and be yeah. like, yeah, singing or, you know, doing thinking like, Oh, where was I when I first heard this song? You know, that's, yeah. that's how I would be. And you know, and the really weird thing I was thinking about this yesterday, this is so weird that you asked this question because if I, let's say I'm in like a Starbucks and I'm like, I have to write in Starbucks today. I don't know. Let's just, that's an example. Right, yeah. And there's music going like in the, you know, around me, like the background music. I don't even notice it. Like I completely tune it out. But if it's like on my computer or on my phone, it's like all I can think about. Yeah. I wonder, let's, I wonder what that would be. I think maybe there's so much more activity going on at Starbucks maybe. that you can block it out and you're intentionally blocking it. That's probably it. true. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, cause I, I, I agree with you. I can, I can tone right. things out too, except for when I'm at home, we play Pandora all day, every day. 
Yeah. And I mean, we're, there's always music in our house unless yeah. I'm writing a podcast or, you know, doing an interview. So I love that. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It, it makes it cause I can create a feel like music to me creates a complete mood for me. And so sure. depends on if we're having people over, we'll play more upbeat music, but during the day it might be stings under the water yeah. or yeah. it just depends, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever it's mood I want true. to be. And it just gives you such an emotion. So yeah. I get why people will be like, Oh, this is a song I'll listen to when I'm writing, whatever. Cause I get that. It makes you feel that certain way, but yeah. True. I guess. Yeah, me either. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay. So, uh, I talk a lot about, and I think a lot about, and I focus a lot on our thoughts and how, you know, we all have these thoughts and sometimes people have thoughts that kind of hold them back. Uh, most of us have negative thoughts. You know, there, the studies have shown that we think about 60,000 average thoughts a day, crazy. And 80% of them can be negative. So I know, it's nuts. How do you overcome those? Do you have any like thoughts that you've had to overcome to become, you know, oh. confident? Yes. I mean, and it's, and there, you would think that I would be better by now, but right. it's like every book I have these like cycles of I'm writing this book and it's like at the beginning, you think it's great and you're so excited. It's the best thing you've ever written and it's wonderful. And then you hit this part where you're like, is this even a story? Like, does this even make sense? All these characters are wrong. Everything that happens in is terrible. And then it's like, you get this point. You're like, oh my God, this is the book where they're going to figure out that I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Let me do this. Like, what is happening? I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, it, it's just, and then you sort of, you go back and you're like, okay, no, it's pretty good. Okay, well, I'll tweak this and that'll take care of that thought I was having. But it is just this constant. And then when the book's getting ready to come out, I mean, it's like, oh, oh it's torturous. I know. I can't <laughs> imagine it's, you know, it's like your baby handing your baby over to someone to say, is it pretty? You it know, is. <laughs> you know, I can only imagine. I don't know. Okay, good. Well, I, I, that's very refreshing to hear because you do have a lot of success in your books. And so just, you know, the idea that you still are having those, it doesn't make us, the rest of us feel, you know. No, and I mean, even <laughs> to get started, I mean, I remember taking creative writing classes in college and being like, oh yeah, like I shouldn't be here. Like I'm not the kind of person that writes books. Like these are the people that write books. You know, they were all like very artsy. <laughs> they're black like, turtlenecks and they're very like cool. <laughs> yeah, they all like had like the glasses that were like the, like they just, they looked like writers, you know? Right. And, and they would write these like really dark and deep thoughts that you're going, I don't understand. And I'm like, yeah, this is not, this is not, I'm not a writer, you know? And, and so, I mean, even then, like even to just get started, even to like overcome that. But then, you know, I grew up and I would be like, well, these books I read and these people, like I can, I can write. I had that story. I know I read it. I read an article that said you had a story in your head that if you hadn't, if you didn't get it out, you would probably just like go crazy. Or <laughs> yes. Yes. So that's good. I love it. Okay. So let's talk about your first book, Dear, Dear Carolina. And we did kind of just mention this though. Like, was it scary to have somebody else read your first draft like your very first draft were you just a mess yeah and even and and again that's another one of those things like nothing has changed people all the time are like why don't you let me be your first reader or why don't you do it and I'm like no no one like my mom reads them yeah. and that she's the first person that reads them and then my aunts read them 
And then like my editor, I mean, truly like occasionally like my like best friends will read them before they go to my editor. But it's really, I just, I don't know what it is. It's like, you want to protect it or something until it, and, and I think you're in such a fragile place that you can't handle it's not that you can't handle negativity or you can't handle the changes that need to be made. It's just that they have to be presented to you in a very specific way. So I know who can read it and who I am open to having feedback from at that moment. Cause there's, and there's also such a thing as too much feedback. And I tell yes. writers all the time that have a writer's group and they'll be like, well, I really liked this, but my writer's group thought blah, blah, blah. Well, that's great, but you're the writer. So at some point, too many voices just really can ruin a story too. So you kind of have to, it's a balance. So true. You know, that applies, I think, to just about anything in life. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know for me, like when I have design clients (laughs) and I know the ones that are going to do it is they'll have their mom, their aunt, their sister, their cousin, and their best friend all look at the design board and, you know, have suggestions on it. And I'm like, no, no. What do you want? Right. This is your What's the story you're telling in this room? Right. And so I'm just always like, you're going to get six different opinions when you have six different people. It happens every time. So anyway, but not everybody does that, but you're right. It completely ruin it. Yeah. But it's kind of a, it's kind of that middle ground of like, yes, you have to be able to take criticism, but you also have to know who to take criticism from. Right. That's you a know, great point. We, we actually, we had this sort of debate on this um, group, this writer's group that I'm in the other day. And it was readers that were debating about it amongst themselves. And I thought it was so fascinating because people are like, well, if you're going to put work out there, then you should be able to take criticism. And somebody responded and they're like, okay, well, you teach science. I don't, I own a coffee shop, but what if I stood in the back of your classroom and told you how to teach science all day? Right. I don't teach science. You know, so it was such an interesting point to me of like, oh, that's so smart, you know, because we do get- Everybody's putting their, you're all, we're all putting in one way or another, putting ourselves out there, right? you know, and so it's either your thing or it's not your thing. Exactly. that's what I always think about with my podcast is I'm always like, well, you know, it's a very specific thing. If someone likes mindset, if someone likes, you know, style and design along with mindset, they're going to like my podcast. If they have no interest in it, they'll hate it and they'll never come back. So, you know, that's you just can't how- be all things to all people. It's the same with the book. You, I mean, it's hard to write a story that everyone loves. Right. Right. I know. And if you try, it's probably going to be a pretty boring story. Yeah. Everybody will be like, Oh yeah. Nobody's happy then you, if you please everyone, then nobody's <laughs> all right. So do you ever get writer's block? Like it's such a creative art. Do you ever get that? Cause we watch movies, right. And we see the writers that have to go into the Parisian countryside cottage to isolate themselves. And then they can't write because they've got, yeah. Um, you know, I say this kind of jokingly that I don't have time for writer's block, but it's also kind of true. Like you kind of don't getting a book a year and writing. Yeah. I mean, writer's block is not an option for me. (laughs) I mean, I think there's some days that I come to the page and I'm like, well, that was awful, but you just keep showing up. And a lot of times, you know, editing is way more important than writing. So some days I'll show up and I know that what I wrote was absolutely terrible. And I know what I wrote isn't going to make it to the final draft. But I love that. I love that. It's just showing up because you're, it's, I mean, activity breeds activity. And if you get so um, just bogged down that you're like, that was terrible. I I shouldn't write, but you're showing up and writing anyway, 
it carries the book forward and it makes you the next day just be like, okay, tomorrow's going to be better or today's going to be better, whatever. And there is some sort of magical thing. And I'm sure you probably feel this when you're designing too, but it strikes you like there's, and it's not every day. It's not all the time, but sometimes I think I know where a story's going or I, or sometimes I, I come to the page and I have no idea what I'm going to write that day. But once I get started, something just happens and it's like, it didn't even come from me. It just came from yeah. somewhere else. And so you have to be there for that. But I also think, I mean, you know, there's, there are certainly days that you are in the zone and that you feel like every line you write is poetry, but you also don't need 450 pages of poetry in a novel. Now in a right. poetry book, you do, but you know, not every line has to be that, you know, because yeah. you're telling a bigger story. So, um, I think it's, it's a balance of, you know, yeah. hoping it, for the best. It makes, it's kind of an ebb and flow probably during the book too, yeah. because you know, you know, who, nobody else always wants to ride high, you know, the lows that makes yeah. the highs so good. Right. Sure. That's a good yeah. point. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. that's, that's my answer. What you said. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> what you said. I love it. Okay. All right. Good. So now you, um, I feel like I just keep saying all these things that you do that are so good, but you also speak to groups as well. Um, and that can be terrifying for people. Is that something that came naturally or do you get nervous when you speak, you know, publicly? Okay. So, um, no, I mean, it was horrible. Like when I first started doing it, um, I, I mean, I remember doing my first speaking engagement for Dear Carolina and it was 60 people. And I thought it, it felt like there were, it was all the people in the world in that room. I mean, it was terrifying. Now I had practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. So I think delivering it went fine and they were so nice and they were so warm and they were so lovely and it went so well. And several of them asked me to go speak other places. And so it's just one of those things. It's like, I used to not love to fly. Your pilot husband probably cannot relate to that. But then I was in a job where I had to fly all the time. Right. Day after day after day after day. And you just that could be a problem. <laughs> you don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. you're like, no, it doesn't even matter. I don't even consider getting on an airplane anymore. So I think um, speaking is kind of like that. Now, I will be completely honest with you. After having not spoken, I mean, it will probably be, I've obviously done a lot of Zooms, but it's very different to be on a Zoom than it is to be in front of a big crowd. And one of the last events I did right before COVID, um, it was the biggest one I'd ever done. And it was like 850 people. That was a big room. I was a little nervous about that one. But once I got on stage, I was like really feeling it. And I tend to love bigger groups because you get so much energy from them. Right, right. That's so something. Great. Yeah, I didn't really understand that at first. And people would be like, oh, well, wouldn't you rather just do like a small book club? And then I'd be like, no, because, you know, when there are 12 people in a room, you're sort of expected to bring all the energy. When there are 200 people in a room, you get so much from your audience. That is such an interesting comment. You're right. Because when there's 12 people in the room, you kind of there, it's almost like there isn't a lot of energy and you are expected to bring it because you, you're the one that you're the, you know, the person that they're looking to and exactly. in a room with 850 people, there's energy and they're excited. A lot of energy. And yeah. No, I've never done one that big and it was really exciting and really okay, fun. Okay, that's awesome. And, and so now you're going to have to redo it because... Yeah, but I will say, I mean, I can pretty, I mean, I can tell you if I do get to go on tour in April, which the tour is planned, so hopefully I will, um, 
I can, I can assure you, I will be nervous when I take that stage for the first time uh, yeah. because it's, um, and I'm, and I'm nervous the first time that I do a new talk. Cause I, I don't use notes unless it's, there's a rare occasion. If it's like a total one-off talk, I know I'm never going to do it again. Sometimes I'll use notes just because it takes a long time to memorize. You know, if you're speaking for 30 or 45 minutes, as you know, it takes a long time to memorize. Right. So, so how many times do you think you practice a talk and this is I'm taking I took a course in school on that how, how long do you think it see I need to take a course that's something else I need to do and actually I my the friends of fiction group that I'm in I'll, I'll tell you about that in a minute but um we were talking about taking a class because we all speak all the time um but we've never really Toastmasters. yeah okay Toastmasters I'll do that well Toastmasters is where they you just basically once or twice a week you go in and um you speak and uh, they, you, you get experience speaking in front of people. I mean, like, and, the, and it can be 20 people. It could be 50 people. It just depends on how many people are there. And they just go, and that's just for what people do. I don't know. I was just curious if that was yeah. something. Okay. No, and I don't know. I mean, it's, it's to the point now that I think about the talk in stories. So I'm not memorizing okay. it verbatim. I'm memorizing, like, so let's say if I know that I'm going in to talk about Peachtree Bluff, the first story I tell is this really unlikely way that I got the book contract for Peachtree Bluff. And then that leads into what the stories are about, which leads into how I got into writing. It's like one story flows to the next. So I'm not really memorizing the talk as much as I am the stories and they are kind of piecemealed together. So like for Feels Like Falling, I would have had probably three sections of my talk that were totally new. So if you hear me every year, you're not hearing the exact same talk over and over again. Right. But then there would have been two or three that I would have probably kept because a lot of people are hearing me for the first time, even if it's in the same group or whatever. So, cause you do, there are certain places that you do like the same literary luncheon and you do it every year. So you right. want to make sure that those people that have heard you seven yeah. years in a row are not like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell this story, <laughs> um, but you get better, you know, so the first time yeah. I do it, so when I'm on tour, when the first, when the book first comes out, I'm probably doing that same talk between one and three times a day for like 45 wow. to 60 straight days. So by the time I'm finished, I can say it in my sleep and like pause at the right time for the laugh. I mean, you know, you're, you know what, <laughs> yeah. and that's, but that's why the first few are scary because you've written something that you think you know your audience well enough to know what they're going to respond to, but you're not totally sure. And every now and then I'm like, that did not come off. Like I thought it was going to, or every now and then you're in front of a group and 90% of the people that you've you know, said this thing to, and everyone thought it was hilarious. And you're in this group and like, you don't get a peep and you're like, Oh, they're not going to like me. <laughs> this is not <laughs> my people. <laughs> okay. That's funny. Yeah. I, so then what do you do when that happens? I mean, you just, roll with it roll with it and and you know and and a lot of times you feel that way when you're up there and then and it's so not true and it's just totally in your head and i do think that's, mind. that's our that's that mindset it is is that you're you're telling yourself oh boy they don't really like me at all and they're just sitting there in awe of you and you just don't realize it but and i do think sometimes it's that smaller group too where when you're in a bigger group, people laugh or people respond to you in a different way than if they're in a smaller group, then they feel like they're kind of on stage a little bit. Oh gosh. Yeah. And then if, what if they're the only person to clap or what if they're right. the only to laugh? Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know I've been there. Okay. All right. So, uh, I am a big believer in vision boards, right? And so I, um, I love when people actually have a design for their life and they create it. 
Um, I read an article where you found a list of pipe dreams and I loved this story. It actually gave me goosebumps. Um, you had written a list in college and you called it your pipe dream list. The, call, the professor had asked you to do it. And um, one of them, one of the things you wrote down was writing a novel and the other was buying a home in, in Beaufort or Beaufort? Beaufort. But they're, they're, Beaufort is in South Carolina. Beaufort okay. okay. All right. So and you were going to do that by the age of 30 and you found that list. Your mom had said, oh, the, let's get these, let's clean some things out of your room. And you realized oh my gosh, I did this. So did, did that blow your mind? And do you have other pipe dreams that you're working on? It totally blew my mind. And it was also um, a lesson because right. those were not things that, sure, they sounded good on that list that day, but they weren't necessarily the things that I was like actively working towards in my goal setting or whatever. But they were things that I had put in the universe. Right? Right. I had told the universe when I was 21 that I was going to write a novel by the time I was 30 and I was going to have a house in Beaufort, North Carolina. Like somewhere I had put that out there and it came back to me and I didn't even necessarily know I was creating that. Right. <laughs> I love that so much. And I think it's sort of a lesson for good and for bad, right? Because you, oh. you really do realize what you're putting out is coming back to you. Yeah. And be careful what you put out there. Like you said, you got to be careful because if you say, I mean, I, and I do think that we're, um, you know, we say things about ourselves, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, I'll never do this, right. you know, and it's something where if you say, don't say, I'll never do it, you know, just say, I'm going to do this or someday I will do this. Yeah. You know, like you put that out there and it's, it happened because you, at some point you believed it. No, absolutely. And you know, when you're 21, you think you can do absolutely anything and nothing's hard. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, I have so many things I want to do. Of course. I love where I am right now. Um, I would love to have a TV show or a movie or something, um, which is well, don't you have, isn't one of your, the, yeah. the Peach Tree Bluff series. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten, it's, so Dear Carolina was my, my first book and it was optioned for film. It got really far into the process and ended up being pulled like kind of at the last minute. Okay. Peach Tree Bluff has gone incredibly well. Um, but then COVID hit and, yeah. Yeah. you know, everything has changed a little bit. So I'm still like holding out with hope that maybe one day we'll see Peach Tree on TV. But, um, the, the only thing that I think is maybe harder than publishing is, or more, yeah, is, um, is, is TV. So, um, I don't know. It's, so we'll see. I think, you know, those would be really great. Well, write it down and put it under your bed. Write it down, put it under my bed. about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely something that I'm focused on. Um, but I don't know. And I've learned, I'm sure it, this is not an uncommon thing and you probably have too, but a lot of the best things in my life that have come to me have just been because you can't always say yes, because you have to, you know, eventually you run out of time, but I try to just say yes a lot to a lot of things as much as I can. And sometimes I end up getting something out of it that I never really imagined or be, I mean like friends in fiction that I was just telling you about four author friends and I were having wine on zoom one night whining about our book tours all being canceled and what in the world were we going to do because we were all authors that were used to being on tour for huge chunks of time and then coming home and then going back out and you know I think in 2019 I spoke something like 86 times or something and wow. so we all really had in our minds this is how we sell books what do we do um, and we started this Wednesday night Facebook live show and I think we've had it 
for six months and we're getting ready to hit 25,000 followers in our little Facebook group. And we had no idea. Like we had no idea that people were going to want to listen. We had no idea that authors were going to want to come on and talk to us. We had no idea. And it's just turned into something that book sales or no book sales, it's just been super gratifying to have this community that you feel like is so rallied around you and each other. It's been such a point of positivity when a lot of things have been really negative. Um, and it's just been great. And something that now we, none of us meant to really have some other huge time commitment in our life, but now I think we would all like can't imagine not having it. So you know, that's just an example. We yeah. were like, okay, yeah, we'll just do it and we'll see what happens. And, um, and it's been amazing. But if I had said no to that, I would have been kicking myself so hard right now. Right. That is, uh, I am so glad you said that because that is one of the more true things that probably doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, for anybody listening is that to say yes to things that, and sometimes we think, Oh, you know, I, I know for me, I have a, a client that I, I don't do like, well, I started out very, before I ever got my design degree, I would do home staging yeah. and I didn't, um, I, I stopped doing it years ago and I, I just didn't love it because I like doing design for people that enjoy their home, not for right. people that are going to sell their home. Right. right, right and right. so I had a, a friend of mine and he was like, please, I, I'm trying to sell this house and she really needs some help. And, and so I was just like, okay, all right, you're a good friend of mine. And I'm, I will never forget how I love this new friend of mine. And she's like 72, I think. And yeah. We have become so close. We, I ended up doing custom design for her, complete custom design for her new, you know, like condo loft down. And it was just so much fun. And that was something I said yes to that I w didn't want to say yes to at the time. And now I've gotten such, so many things that have come from that, that are beautiful. Yeah. And so, yeah. And that's such a good point because I think when I look at all the things that I say, like they were such huge surprises it's the people that you meet and the friendships that you make. And like, even with Peachtree Bluff, like we've spent so much time. I have this whole new like group of friends on the other side of the country that I never would have known people that I never would have met because we've spent so many months together working on this project. And so whatever happens, like there's such a gift in that because I learned so much. I met these new people and you know, it, it prepares you for the next step, I guess. I love it. I love it. That's such a, that if we stopped right there, we'd have everything we need. <laughs> okay. But I know we, we, you and I could talk uh, like all day. We after. could, this is bad. We could be on here for a I know, right. <laughs> um, so let me get a couple things because I really like to ask these questions. Um, so what advice would you give to someone that's wanting to become an author? I do have some younger people that, that listen to the podcast that are, you know, like aspiring writers. Go up at the page every day. It's my number one piece of advice. I, I'm not saying that I take it all the time because <laughs> sometimes, you know, there are other things like I'll turn in a book and I'm have to catch up on other things. But I think when you're first starting out, even if you're, you know, even if you can only write for 20 minutes, even if you can only write for 10 minutes, show up at that page every single day, because you have, the more you can stay in that story, the more that you can finish it. And that's my second piece of advice is finish it. And I know that sounds really silly, but I bet you that I have at least two or three people that come to me at every book signing and say, I've written a book, but I can't finish it. And finishing is the key. And that is just 
It's so psychological. We all do it. We don't want to finish it because when we finish it, we're going to have to put it out into the world and we're going to have to take that big risk. But you have to finish it. The only way to finish it is to finish it. So finish it. Finish the it. Yes. Okay. That is really, really great advice. Really great advice. You know, that's true. I mean, I think you're right. It's a block. Like they don't want to finish it. Or, you know, because it's scary and then you have to put it out. Well, and it would be like if you had this beautiful project and you were like, I know it's really good, but I know as soon as I finish it, like it, it's going to be, it's going to be photographed, but then like, is it going to do that big thing that I, is it going to get right. that big spread I wanted it to get? And if it doesn't, am I going to be disappointed? It's like we put there and it's just human nature. We put so many expectations on the things that we do. Um, and I do, I mean, you just heard me. I'm a mess every time I write a book. I mean, it's not like I'm. Um, but you know, but that's my advice all the same. Yes, I love it. Okay. And what, what advice would you give to your younger self? You're pretty young anyway, but still, mm -hmm. what would you give to your younger self? Just you don't have to have it all figured out and it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm pretty type A and I always want to know exactly what's coming and exactly what's next. And that is just not reality, unfortunately. Nope. And, and perfection is, never you know really accomplishable you know yeah. so if you go for perfection you're never going to reach it it's never <laughs> going to be perfect and That's you right. can spend i mean i could have spent i could still be editing dear carolina my first book right now 100 oh yeah for sure and it still wouldn't be perfect and i wouldn't have had six other books out you know That's exactly so. right i love it uh toby fairly used to say be okay with b work yeah. Don't expect everything yeah. to be A plus. Be okay with B work. And at first I was like, what? And then I realized what she meant was don't, you know, your B work might be someone like lots of people's A work or Absolutely. lots of people's D work, right. you know? So it just, you, I don't know what, I'm, my brain doesn't work backwards either. So no, I know what you mean. Yes, completely. I mean, that's, it's true. It's like the secret to life is you just have that's to. Right. That's exactly right. Okay. Now, um, Wildly successful lifestyle is the name of my podcast, but happiness is a key element. Element I always say that to living a wildly successful life because what what matters if you're not happy? So when like do you when do you feel the truly the happiest? What makes you the happiest? You know, I am like just a really simple person, and it's so funny because. I have this wonderful life and I've gotten to go all these incredible places and yes, that's great. But I, we live in Beaufort full time now. I absolutely love it here. I love every day. I love our house. I love walking down that same boardwalk every day and just being with my husband and my son and um, just that quiet. I, even though, I mean, I do have sort of an outgoing personality, but I think I'm an introverted extrovert because I really crave like peace and calm and quiet and in some really twisted way I would never wish for 2020 ever again but in some really <laughs> twisted way because we're safe and we're healthy I can say this otherwise I would not be saying this but you know having to kind of slow down and be yeah. quiet and be home and be together and not have a thousand things to do all the time has been again don't want to do it again but it has been kind of like a little reset because you know we've just been home and we've been here and i've gotten so much writing done um because there aren't just a million other things going on and um yeah i just i'm really happy like being at home and in the quiet but 
I don't know. It's kind of a nice balance because I do love to be out and about. And trust me, like once I can get back out on the road, I will be like bursting through the door. And right. Stuff. Like I'm here. Hello. Yeah. And that's, well, and that's the other yeah. thing. I love to be on a stage. Like I love yeah. to be on a stage. I love to be in front of people. I love to be hugging readers and taking yes. pictures. I mean, I love that too. So I think I'm happy and I'm just a generally kind of happy person. Right. Right. <laughs> and not that deep. Like I'm just pretty happy. Yeah, I know. I, I say that a lot too, that my, my kind of my, my kind of like my, my level that I'm usually at is happy. And you know, so it's fun. That's fun. And when you're COVID kind of made it where we were sort of isolated and I didn't love that. Yeah. But at the same time, there were things that came from it. And I think that are really good, you know, I mean, as, as long as, like you said, everyone's healthy, then right. Which, we, we did get some good stuff, you know, from ready it. Ready for it to be over. But too. Is it ever going to be? I think? don't know. And we might just have to, you know, revise our life plans. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't even, I wouldn't even begin to know where to do that. So, <laughs> all right. So how do people follow you and where can they find your wonderful books? I have already said, I think the Peachtree Bluff series would be oh, an awesome you. gift. Thank you. So how do, how do we follow you? How do we find your books? All that good stuff. Um, okay. So my design site is actually mydesignchic.com. And then you can find me at christywoodsonharvey.com. I'm K-R-I-S-T-Y. And I'm at Christy W. Harvey on Instagram. Um, and that's kind of like the major place I am. I mean, I like Facebook too, but I'm really, I love Instagram. So that's kind of where I usually yeah. am. That's and, um, yeah, and books. I mean, I am a huge fan of independent bookstores. So if you have one, support your independent bookstore. There is an incredible new website called bookshop.org that um, supports independent bookstores if you don't have one near where you live. And, um, you know, of course, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, uh, CVS, Walgreens, you can buy them anywhere. For I love it. Okay, so I'll put bookshop.org kind of higher up there. <laughs> okay. So they get there first. And then we'll, I'll put all of this in the show notes so that people yeah. will. Oh, and if you're a reader, come on Wednesday nights friends to Friends and Fiction. Oh, Facebook. right, right. Friends yeah. and Fiction on Facebook, everybody. So I'll put that in. Um, I will put that in the show notes as well. So this has been so fun, Heidi. It has been. Thank you so much for coming on. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends because we're just going to keep going bigger and better places together. And I love that about us. Talk to you in a few days.